Hey y'all, and welcome to Geek Freaks. I am Frank, and today I'm flying solo. We're going to be going over a lot of the news, and we're going to be also reviewing a new video game called Dark Deity. We got our hands on that. And uh, before that, we're going to be reviewing, of course, Black Widow, the first MCU in forever, I believe. So I'm excited to share those with you and let you guys know what I thought. Uh, we will be doing a spoiler-free review for Black Widow. We were debating about doing a uh, spoiler-filled one and talking about, oh my god, did you see that part with? But it's best we wait on that just because there are still people making their way out there. Um, although the box office has been impressive, and we will be talking about that later on. We want to thank our Patreons for coming out and supporting us on this. We have Sunny, Fly Pirate, Scott, Ashley, and Marco. If you guys want to join our Patreon, head on over there, and for our $1, you get bonus content, early access, stickers, giveaways. Uh, whenever we review a comic book now, we're going to be giving away digital copies so you guys can put your input out there and we'll get, read it on the podcast. You can literally help make decisions on some things. We have our Discord that has like a Patreon section where we vote on like, hey, should we change this setting or that setting in editing? Or should we do this or that next? And you guys literally decide how the, the, the podcast goes. It's a lot of fun. So uh, join us on Patreon. All right, let's get into the news. All right, we're going to start off with some quickies. These are always fun to just go through and blast them out real quick. Uh, we have Cyberpunk 2077 was the best-selling game on the PS4 last month. So the uh, PS4 or the PSN, right, removed Cyberpunk uh, after all those terrible bugs at launch. It was recently put back onto the PlayStation Network and immediately shot to the top of the charts, beating out Grand Theft Auto V, which is like always up there for some crazy reason, and NBA 2K21, a relatively new game, uh, showing that the PlayStation fans were waiting and patient and did not buy it on PC or willing to just double down. Um, I actually still need to go pick up my copy. I had bought it originally and went ahead and returned it because I was like, I have a, an, an Athena feel about this. Like this game is going to go and plummet real fast, uh, but it's actually been holding up pretty strong. It looks like the bug, the bug fixes are... Uh, adequate i currently have a friend playing it and he's telling me about bugs that are coming up and they're just hilarious but uh nothing that it's i mean if you're a bethesda fan you're used to the kind of bugs that we sing they do break the game a little bit but not so much that you can't continue going uh but yeah so cyberpunk good job on coming back to the playstation network and killing it the witcher season two uh has announcement day they finished up their filming uh they are coming out december 17th on netflix so on December 17th, guys, we got a really cool episode ahead. We're going to be doing a watch-along sloop with this, our very first watch-along sloop. We've tried it. I've tried it because the right sloop is just me, just like this. Um, I've tried it before, and it sounded horrendous. So I was like, okay, I'm going to try this again in the future, but it's got to be the right show. So for The Witcher Season 2, that first premiere episode, we're going to do a watch-along where I'll literally record while I'm watching it and... Uh, just kind of like talk shit and have fun. <laughs> it should be fun. Uh, the Witcher is such a fun series. Henry Cavill is amazing. Plays World of Warcraft. That's awesome. So we're excited to see that. That'll be really great. Last bit for the quickies. Uh, we found out there are rumors out there that are kicking in. Uh, NetherRealm Studios is working on a new project. Uh, they have been up to this point making DLCs for Mortal Kombat 11, which has done very well for them, right? Uh, the new project is possibly a new injustice. Um, Injustice 1 and 2 were both successful. They actually spawned their own comic book series. I suggest you read the comic books. They are quite fun. 
Uh, the new game could add some of the new DC heroes that are getting some uh, spotlights and, and extend like the Blue Beetle and stuff like that, bring in some of those smaller characters. Um, they have been making cameos. Make them frontline characters. Like advertise the game, the Blue Beetle on the front. Like I am on board with that. Really expand your universe and build it up. Uh, the Injustice storyline is a lot of fun for those of you who are not familiar with it. Basically, Superman accidentally kills Lois Lane. Uh, I believe Joker makes him do it. So he starts a new world order. Wonder Woman teams with him, sides with him, and so so many others do as well. Batman sides with Harley Quinn and starts a resistance group, and he's fighting off Superman. Similar to what you were seeing in the end of you know Zack Snyder's cut, uh, but done very well in this video game and the comic books. Uh, if you guys want to read those comic books, they are available on the DC Universe app. You guys can download that app, and I think it's like it's super cheap to be able to, to read them all. Uh, and I believe they're also on Comixology, which is a really great app too. Or hey, of course, head to your local comic book shop. All right, we're going to get into some bigger stories. First up, we have the PlayStation Portable. PSP is closing up shop. The system has been around for a while. It launched back in 2006 in the U.S. Uh, it is the end of an era, though. You can no longer buy any of their games on their shop. You can still, for now, buy the games on the PS Vita and the PS3. Uh, both those shops are probably very limited. As you guys know, the PS3 is also uh, aging quickly. And the Vita was the original replacement for the PSP, but even that is only has like two or three years on it. So uh, expect those to be closing down soon as well. The PSP was a really solid system. Uh, for myself, I think one of my favorite things was that they, it actually released uh, portable movies. You could actually like watch movies on it. Uh, Napoleon Dynamite, the very first time I watched Napoleon Dynamite, was on a PSP in a tent while I was camping. Uh, it, that was so new to me. I know Game Boy Advance had a version of that as well, but nothing to the degree of the PlayStation. And the PSP kind of opened up that window of watching TV, watching entertainment through a portable device that was later on used by iPhone and then all of the smartphones. And we were watching Netflix and YouTube all the time on our phones. I mean, I have YouTube on my phone throughout the day, right? Uh, I'm not saying that PSP invented it, but it did for myself. And I think for a lot of other people, it kind of opened that idea that a handheld system could actually bring you all the entertainment you needed. Uh, there are many of us, myself included, who got the homebrew hacks and really expanded the library of the PSP, being able to add emulators and ROMs onto the system. So my most played actual PSP game would be Star Wars Battlefront. But my most played game on the PSP was Marvel vs. Capcom through an emulator. It was a blast to play, super sharp as you'd expect. Uh, just an all-around really fun game to play. Um, and I mean, with the emulators run, ran great. The PSP system was solid. And so it is sad to see that this is its last uh, closure. And it is going the way of, you know, your Nintendos, Super Nintendos and Sega Genesis. And it is truly a legacy retro system. I have my PSP on still on my shelf and I cherish it. I will be hunting down those games. Just got to fill up those libraries. Uh, so the next convention, I will be there. By the way, Sacramento residences, uh, they have announced that in December they will be doing the uh, Sacramento Gaming Expo. We will be there. We're not necessarily sure if we're going to have a booth yet. We're still debating on that. Um, it might be a lot to be there for both days, but we will be there. And I'll be the guy at the PSP booth picking up my new PSP games. <laughs> CSGO has lost 17% of their players in June. 
so the esports juggernaut has stumbled following recent changes. This comes out on the heels of a new $15 entry fee to their premium matchmaking. The change was implemented to decrease the number of cheaters, quote-unquote cheaters, right? They used bots to grind their way in. Players would have a bot play repetitive games until they have unlocked the prime matchmaking tiers. Now you have to buy your way in. Hardcore CSGO players were happy with the move. For others, it was the last straw as they moved on to competitors like Valorant or Apex Legends. As time goes on, we will see if CSGO uh, becomes a healthier game with the new premier uh, tiers. So the, the trick with this is, and I, I, I'm the same way, right? So uh, you guys are well aware, I play a lot of World of Warcraft. It's kind of that staple game, kind of like Minecraft, see if these that sit in the background for me. There has been discussions of, hey, should, should World of Warcraft go free to play? And then they would support the game through microtransactions. I myself do not care for that. I feel that the monthly service provides a stable uh, server, uh, uh, crew. It's like guaranteed income coming in for them. They just have to keep putting out a quality game. i rather the developers not focus on something else. Um, and then we also don't have like people coming in and just ramming the game with cheats and all stuff like that. You have to pay that $15 to participate in the activity that I'm participating in. So that little, that little hiccup, that little premium of $15, to me, is a barrier from just like relentless account creations. Because in the early days of WoW, when the game was just so freaking hopping that it was worth making multiple accounts. Um, people would make multiple accounts, then uh, position these like orcs in a way where they spelt out a website's name to advertise the website. You know, the game has slowed down a bit, so that's not really feasible anymore. But nevertheless, with a wall like that, you kind of feel like that thing is less common. When if I were to go to a free-to-play game like Wildstar was towards the end of its uh, reign, or uh, what's it called, RuneForge is now, uh, you run into a situation where like, yeah, I could just create a bot that'll make 20 accounts for me and then I'll just, you know, have them through a multi-boxer attack your game and do whatever I please. So I, I feel what these CSGO players are feeling. I know from an outside point of view, it may feel like, look, I don't want to spend extra money to be the best when I'm the kind of person who likes to normally grind my way up. And I get you, but you got to look at the time you spend to grind your way to the prime matchmaking. That time, is it really worth more than $15 in a month? I would think not, because I mean, I haven't played much CSGO, not enough to be prime, trust me. But in my opinion, to gain that kind of upper echelon tiers, like for me, it'd be like mythic rating, it takes, I mean, you're talking about almost a part-time job. So I can't imagine that $15 is enough to put you out. You know what I'm saying? So... I think this is a good move. Yes, they lost their 17% of players. It was a big hit to them, of course. But I think the game itself will be healthier over the long run. That way, you have a smaller player base, but a more dedicated and loyal fan base that will carry you on for future. I mean, think about, again, World of Warcraft. They've been doing the $15 a month thing for years. Uh, they're going on 17 years now with a dedicated fan base. Some players with tattoos and stuff dedicated to the game. and. Uh, so this shows that this is a valuable way of doing a business. Minecraft is now an adult-only game in South Korea. Microsoft is now forcing South Korean players to use Xbox Live accounts. Xbox is doing this as part of their migration from Mojang accounts. 
Xbox Live accounts are restricted to 19 years old and up. The restriction stems from the 2011 Cinderella law, in quotes, uh, prohibiting kids and adults from playing together. It has a longer name, but they just call it the Cinderella law over there. Uh, yeah, so this law was implemented to make sure that, like, you know, your kids are safe and they're only playing with other kids and adults can just kind of stay on their own servers. It's a pretty solid plan, but there has been some hiccups. This was a good example of that. Players were allowed to use their Mojang accounts as a way around the age restriction until recently. South Korean players have taken up a petition. They are asking for the president to remove the law, which makes Korea the only nation to restrict Minecraft. So far, they have 15,000 signatures. It's tough because the, I think the law is actually very uh, good for the, for the player base, especially the younger player base. But Minecraft is a great meeting place. And I know for myself, like I play with my nephew, uh, with my godson on Minecraft and Fortnite. And it's just a really good place to kind of hang out and like, hey, how's your day going? How's school been? And stuff like that. It's just a place we can come together. The idea of taking that away and making it, you know, restricted. It would affect me personally, but I think it has a better effect on multiple people. This is a tough one. And I really I don't really want to weigh in on either side. I think it's just something that the South Korean people should vote on. Minecraft is just one of those games that kind of supersedes, right, what this law was intending to do. When you think of other games like a Call of Duty where, I mean, the toxicity on, on Call of Duty Warzone is, is upper echelons. League of Legends is a great example, too, where they're just so toxic with each other. I would not want my 12-year-old to be seeing that, that kind of talk. Uh, so... You know, I think Minecraft is kind of this weird outlier that may give an exception to the rule, but maybe the rule's important for other games where, you know, there are people out there that are dangerous for your kids to be hanging out with. So, something for the Korean people to vote on. Voice your opinion, guys. The petition is out there. Currently, 15,000 signatures if you want to get on board. Next, hackers have launched an assault on Apex Legends in an attempt to stop hacking. Last weekend, a group of hackers attacked Apex and replaced playlists and audio files with a message saying, TF1 is being attacked, so is Apex. They also asked players to visit SaveTitanfall.com, but the website quickly responded saying they do not condone the attack, so they're trying to distance themselves. The hackers are Titanfall 1 and 2 players frustrated with the state of the game. So Titanfall 1 and 2 have been plagued by DDoS attacks over the last year. Actually, like two years, really, at this point. There was a patch in 2019 that was supposed to fix the issue, but it merely was a temporary band-aid. Developers Respawn and publisher EA have set their focus on the new cash cow, right? Apex Legends. Apex takes place in the same universe as Titanfall, but plays much differently. While the original two titles just, uh, were just launch purchases, you bought the game for 60 bucks and that was it, Apex is a live service game and fueled by microtransactions. Players feel that EA uh, is not wanting to focus on the other games because they want those players to move over to Apex. They're trying to get everybody over to Apex so that they're buying the skins and playing the new, newer game. Respawn Director of Communications, Ryan Rigney, took to Twitter to explain the attacks only ruined a weekend for players and changed nothing at the company. He shared a, he shared a past tweet where he expressed the company's intentions to fix the ongoing Titanfall project. Uh, this is a quote from him. 
The team has never stopped working on DDoS solutions, and anti-cheat is just never-ending war of whack-a-mole. On the DDoS front, we will solve this. And when we do, I promise you it won't be because of hackers made us aware by ruining a holiday. They achieved nothing of value. So that was Ryan Rig uh, Rigney from Respawn. Since the weekend's uh, hacker attacks, there have been some outages on Apex Legends, uh, two specifically big ones. They are making it to where players can't actually log in. They're affecting the login servers, so players can't join the actual game servers. Uh, so Apex has not said, you know, Respawn or EA have not said that this is uh, the hackers' attacks shutting down their servers, but the timing is pretty suspicious. It probably is them. Now, while I both I love both the Titanfall games, I'm a huge fan of them, and I think they're actually really made really well. If you're needing a first-person shooter and you haven't tried out Titanfall 2 yet, their story is phenomenal. Uh, it deserves far more attention than it gets. Titanfall 1's multiplayer was a blast, and I kicked ass at it. That's a lot for someone like me to say, because I'm not, as much as I love shooters, I'm not great at them. So I, I really suggest you guys give those a shot. And they're always on sale. On Steam, it's like 7 bucks for Titanfall 2 half the time. I do believe that EA and Respawn are responsible for those games. They sold those games. They're pretty recent. I mean, they're both on Xbox One, which is the past system. That's it. They're responsible for those games to be functional. They're not retro titles. They need to make sure that those servers are working. Now, do I condone these attacks? Hell no. There are far better ways of doing this, and you need to not attack fellow players. And that's all you really did, right? You just made innocent players that are trying to escape on a weekend after a long week of work. They're just trying to have fun and enjoy their day. And all you did was ruin their weekend. Respawn doesn't care. EA definitely doesn't care. Skins are still sold. And a tweet was sent out to shut you guys up. If you have a problem with this, now I'm saying if you really have a problem with this and you feel Respawn and EA are doing nothing, take it to the courts. That's where you're going to really get a response out of EA. You want to see more than a tweet? You take them to court. Why? Because they sold you a game that has multiplayer on it and it's currently not functioning. That means they sold you a product and a product you're not getting. You need to take them to court if you guys really want to escalate this. Hackers, a Zelda hacker has been arrested in Japan. A hacker selling corrupted saves of Zelda Breath of the Wild was arrested this week in Japan. Ichiman Sho of Tokyo was captured uh, by Nagata police in July 8th, on July 8th. Uh, he was selling saved copies of Zelda that had hundreds of cheats and duplicated items. Uh, in his advertisement, he called it the ultimate save data. I mean, the guy knew how to pitch it, right? He later told the police that he made over 10 million yen, approximately 90k in the US dollars, uh, and each copy sold for 3,500 yen, which is about $32. Now, he did say later on that, that 10 million yen didn't necessarily come all from Zelda. He had been duplicating games in the past. Uh, this is a big business. We're seeing that there are also subscription services that people are signing up for to gain access to cheats to games like Call of Duty. So people are willing to pay for cheats. I don't know if you guys are old like me. You know, I'm 35, and so, but I remember the Game Shark. Do you guys remember Game Shark and Game Genie? Oh, man. It was a cartridge you'd put into your. I don't know, Sega Genesis. And then, and then you'd put the car, your actual cartridge on top of that. And then you're like, you can do whatever you want. Yeah, Sonic flies now. You just do whatever you want. And even with a Game Genie, I think it had like codes you could put in and you'd buy the magazine full of codes. 
oh, the hacker life for me, right? <laughs> so people are willing to spend money on cheats. It just, it's another way to revitalize the game you already beat, you know? So I, I can't necessarily blame them, but yeah. Uh, this is just the latest in arrest in a new considered effort from uh, Japan, Japanese law enforcement. They, uh, Jap Japan passed a law called the Unfair Competition Prevention Act two years ago. Uh, you guys, on our website, of course, we have sources to all the things I'm, I'm going over. I'm going through our articles right now. I have sources to everything out there. And uh, if you go there, the uh, Medi site actually has the law, so you can read the law itself. It's pretty interesting. Uh, since that two years ago, they've been uh, implementing arrests, and just this February, they arrested a 23-year-old man for doing a similar business uh, where he was selling duplicated Pokemon for Sword and Shield and items. He would sell like rare candies and stuff like that for Sword and Shield. Uh, as a Pokemon Shield player, that frustrates the hell out of me. Matter of fact, I just traded a guy for... I traded my slow bro, but it's a unique slow bro, for his uh, Zaki. And boy, I am boring the shit out of people right now that don't know Pokemon names. Um, but nevertheless, when I got the Zaki in, it was like level 93 or whatever, which was fair for what I traded him. But it only had one ability. And I was like, uh, this thing is so freaking like gotten by ill means. And I didn't care. I was not very happy about that. I was like, eh, I don't know. It just, it feels cheap. You know, it feels cheap. So um, we don't know what the sentence yet for show is, but uh, we'll keep you guys updated as this gets handed down because Japan, of course, is, is getting far stricter on these things. Speaking of Zelda and that Switch, we have a brand new Switch revealed. And boy, was everybody disappointed, right? <laughs> the new Nintendo Switch is called OLED Switch. Uh, it comes with some nice features, but what it's missing is what's important. So some of the new features here. It has a 7-inch OL OLED screen. Try to say that ten, uh, seven times fast, right? Uh, which is sharper and larger than the current LCD screen. It has new onboard speakers that are louder and clearer, which it definitely needed. Uh, it has a big upgrade, like the big upgrade everybody's talking about is it has a new kickstand. I know that sounds minor to those who don't have a Switch, but I take my Switch on the go often. A new kickstand is highly needed. Myself, I actually have to had to buy a third market kickstand for mine uh, so that it's a little better. So the new kickstand is nice. Now, what is this missing? Why is everybody upset? Well, it doesn't have 4K, which feels like a basic at this point. Like it's, a, it's what you would assume everything has. The Switch isn't even pulling out the 1080, guys. It is rolling at that awesome 720p. Yes, the earliest of days for HD. It has the same chipsets, keeping games limited. And, and that's really disappointing for those who are excited for the new Zelda game. Because the new Zelda looks great. Breath of the Wild 2, beautiful. Oh, look at that lighting. That's amazing. Well, now we know that it is no more powerful than the original Breath of the Wild. That's disappointing to myself means that we're not going to get any kind of ray tracing or anything like that that, that might have come from like a new chipset or new processor or anything like that. All the power, you know? This is disappointing for myself just because I have friends that have been telling me that, oh, I'll buy the Switch when they come out with the Pro version, right? This is our Pro version. There's no reason. I would not tell them to buy this. I would tell them just to buy the old version. You're not really gaining anything of use. Buy that $10 kickstand I have. It's amazing. Um, that's your way to go. So you, if you guys want to go with the OLED uh, Switch, which I will say comes in a really cool white color, um, it's coming out October 8th for $350. Bucks. Uh, hopefully Nintendo announces some additional features that this they may have. It's unlikely. I will also mention it is also going to be very hard to get your hands on one of these things because of the chip shortage that we're experiencing right now. Uh, it's already affecting the first Switch. So 
I don't know if it's a really great time to launch a new console when everything is so limited. I mean, everybody's trying to get a hold of PS5, but the switch, the, the uh, chips being delayed due to the pandemic have really hurt things. Uh, another video game company had some announcements. PlayStation had their state of play, but it was essentially just about Deathloop. Uh, it's made by the guys who did Dishonored. Now, I played a little bit of Dishonored, and I didn't give it the time it truly deserved. Uh, I may pick that up and play that, but I have been buying a lot of games recently, just some those sales at GameStop, the summer sales, you guys know. Yeah, I know you all have been on Steam with me. And so, you know, two bucks here, three bucks here, you can't pass that up. So, uh, I do have quite the catalog, but I am excited for Deathloop. And um, it, although it's made by the same crew, uh, I don't think I necessarily need to play, you know, Dishonored to be able to get into Deathloop. The idea of Deathloop from, and what we saw from gameplay uh, at the PlayStation Plus or PlayStation Play uh, was you are going to assassinate a target. You have all kinds of different options and you really are kind of free balling it however you want. Uh, if you fail or if something goes wrong, you reset your, your clock and you have to go again and you just keep going until you get the assassination correct. I do like that open-endedness. It feels like you can make, make this game a fast gameplay kind of game or a stealthy game. And, you know, there's times where I want to do one and not the other. So I'm excited to really have a game that lets me do my own thing. It reminds me of some of the Ghost Recon games do that. So, yeah, I think this is going to be a fun entry into the game. So both the big systems, you know, both PlayStation and Nintendo had big announcements. Nothing crazy, though. And that's expected, right? We're just a month out of E3. If they had anything really out there, they would have announced it at E3. Um, I think this is why we had the OLED or Switch Pro, quote unquote, wasn't announced at E3, is because it would have been a letdown and they would have definitely lost E3. All right, let's start talking about movies. Marvel boss Kevin Feige, you all know him, is changing up a major MCU business practice. In the early days, Marvel would make splashes by signing cast members to monster contracts. These multi-picture deals locked in people like Chris Evans to six, year fil uh, six films and Samuel Jackson to nine films. Nine films he was locked into. These were common practices in like the earliest days of Hollywood, but hadn't been seen in decades. So, but Kevin Feige has said in a recent interview with The Hollywood Reporter, they're great guys, check them out, uh, that he's done with these big contracts. So here's a quote from the interview, okay? That got a lot of attention way back when. With, I think, Scarlett and Hemsworth and Evans and Sam Jackson, it varies now. It varies. Project to project, cast to cast. Really, what we want are people who come in, are excited to be in the universe, and are excited to, at the opportunity to do more things, as opposed to being locked into contractual obligations. That's a really good attitude to hear from Kevin. He's actually wanting the actors to enjoy their job. Um... Because there was some early complaints. Uh, Chris Evans is a great example. Where he was like, I'm kind of, you know, wanting to take a break from Captain America. And I think that's why Knives Out was so good. Because it was like that role that was like, all right, ooh, I get to not be Captain America for now. And as much as we all love him as Cap, I mean, he's still a man who's got a job. And it's like, it gets stale, right? When Marvel was first launching their empire, they had a plan. Small solo films that weaved together into a climaxing Avengers. Multi-pictures and a ton of cash, were needed to prove this crazy project would work. After Phase 1, the machine was built. Marvel then needed to, the staples to stick around as they built out the cosmic and the magic side of Marvel, which was tricky and definitely a gamble. Over Phase 2 and then 3, they created a massive MCU featuring over 29, 29 main 
heroes and the doorways to all the others. So uh, after phase two, which unlocked the cosmic one, that's when we got Guardians of the Galaxy. Phase three unlocked magic. That's uh, Doctor Strange. Um, we opened up basically the other parts of the, of the MCU, and really it's quite open now. I mean, even with uh, the new Spider-Man coming up for the phase four, that's our multiverse, right? I mean, we got a tad bit of it now with Loki and whatnot, but it's really got more to go. A side effect of this new empire was its weight on the industry. Instead of convincing a slumping Robert Downey Jr. or little-known Chris Evans to join, then build them up, they have the likes of Kate Blanchett and Jeff Goldblum popping in to shine for a film and then leave. People forget that, that at the time that uh, Iron Man first came out, Robert Downey Jr. was kind of on, you know, the downslopes. He had some rough times. He was just kind of hanging out. Chris Evans, he was in like Not Another Teen Movie and it's some pretty low budget stuff. Well, I do like that Not Another Teen Movie, but nevertheless, he wasn't really well known. His biggest film was playing the Human Torch and those were long forgotten at that point. So now they combine the star power of some of these big guys like Jeff Goldblum with up-and-comers to create uh, these new casts. They even started pulling in some new directors as long as they play by the MCU rules. That's important because sometimes they're like, well, I want to do something creative. And they're like, no, 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 this is the machine and it works well. Stars have started to see Marvel as a fun and quick job. Many have stated they have joined the cast because their kids, quote unquote, forced them to. I've seen many interviews like Colbert and stuff like that where people are talking about like, well, yeah, my, my kids just said it. Kate Blanchett, I think was one of them. My kid said, you can't pass this up or we won't talk to you. <laughs> you know, so being part of Marvel is now being part of the culture. Uh, Marvel's so big, uh, they don't need to lock anybody down. People are wanting to come to them. Okay. Kevin Feige is also looking to the future, beyond like the blockbuster structure. Disney Plus is performing well, and it is the golden age of episodic content. How do you sign somebody like Tom Hiddleston to a five movies and then a multi-season deal for Loki? You know, you're, you're spreading out the same actor and character over multiple platforms. That's really tricky to sign them to all that and lock it down. Like, what if Loki says, yeah, I'm, I'm cool with the movies, but I don't want to do the series. So do you just cancel an entire series or the other way around? Marvel wants to ensure that they stay on top of the pop culture conversation and are adapting and possibly inventing a new way to do franchise entertainment. Now, I worry about changing characters midstream. It's kind of the first concern. I'm sure all of you have been hearing about this. You know, when you hear about them getting rid of these multi-picture deals, you're worried that, oh, great, we're going to get a new Captain America every movie. I'm worried about that. The change for Hulk for, is a really great example of how this can go wrong, right? It was jarring for us that it was well-informed, that we knew, like, okay, yeah, you know, we knew how contracts worked and stuff like that. And for those who don't pay attention to the, to the entertainment news, they were lost in the situation. They were like, wait, is he part of this Marvel universe? What's going on? You know, it, it can be bad. A great example of what could happen. We have a great, you know, cool looking Shang-Chi movie coming up this year. What if, you know, Simu Liu uh, decides, ah, I'm okay and I don't really need to be in it. And then all of a sudden we lose an Avengers level character. The selfish part of me feels like that's a waste of my investment. Not necessarily in the, you know, 10 to 15 or 20 bucks to the theaters. My time and, and just my level of interest. We're, we're spread so thin that when I'm thinking, like, this character's cool, I'm invested in that character, you know, through my thought process, as weird as that sounds, you know? Of course, I don't want actors to feel enslaved to a studio like they did back in the old days. Actors used to be just, it was literally called a slave contract back in the early days of Hollywood, and it was rough on them. 
I just grew up enjoying the like called shots of the MCU. And that was nice knowing that like, oh man, that Captain America movie was awesome. And I cannot wait to see him in the Avengers movie next year. Like you just had those called shots. And that was really, really comforting. Now I trust Kevin Feige. I mean, look what he's done so far. But this is a risky move. Feige may, be, uh, may have just made it a lot harder to make uh, phases four and five coherent. Uh, we may have a situation where, you know, you're watching phase four and, 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 you know, Doctor Strange is doing some really cool stuff. They're leaning on Doctor Strange a lot right now, actually. What if Benedict's like, I'm good. I'm out, guys. Are we changing Doctor Strange right away? What if the new Doctor Strange isn't on board anymore after the first movie? So it, we have a situation now where it's a little scary. We knew it was coming eventually. Marvel is this juggernaut. That, you know, can't just run forever, though. It's starting to stumble. Uh, and it has to become fresh. They could do a situation kind of like James Bond does. Where it's like, oh, th who's going to be the new Captain America? And they do like four pictures. And then who's going to be the new one after that? Much like the James Bond buzz would be. I can see something like that. As long as there's buzz being created, it might actually counteract the loss of, a of continuity. We'll have to see. This is a big one, obviously. I wanted to make sure to address all the things for it. Uh, again, I, I've, I've written the article for it and everything like that on our website with the uh, source material. So check that out, guys. It's, it's interesting to see. It's going to be changing Marvel up quite a bit for the next couple of phases. All right. And then our last bit of news, we're going to be talking a little bit about Black Widow before the review. So keep that in mind. We're going to be talking about her box office success and uh, some more Marvel news, I guess, right? <laughs> Uh, Black Widow takes the lead in the open, opening weekend sales. Disney boasts Black Widow made $215 million worldwide. That's about $80 million domestic, $78 international, and $60 million on Disney Plus premium access sales. Now, this is the first time Disney is including premium access box numbers, box office numbers in their count. Uh, Black Widow overtakes the previous post-pandemic champ, uh, F9. That's the ninth uh, Fast and the Furious movie. Uh, they had $70 million. Uh, the big box office showings are great uh, sign for the industry, but we also learned a few new things because of how uh, things were trending, okay? So, first off, Black Widow's first couple days were explosive, but come Saturday, the sales shifted. The premiere access sales picked up when the weekend kicked off, and the theater's sales cooled down, okay? According to Deadline, which also a great site, guys, check out Deadline, uh, the viewer breakdown means that Marvel fanboys, and that's me because I was there literally day one, <laughs> headed out right away um, while the walk-up, quote-unquote, walk-up theater goers are still staying at home. So the, guys, the people that are like, oh, hey, what do you want to do on Saturday? Well, let's just go to the theaters and see what's going on. Apparently, that's a pretty good uh, portion of the theater goers. Now, myself, I have my theater plans planned out a year in advance, but okay, I, get, I feel you guys. Uh, Disney, now, this actually might be good news for Disney overall, right? Because Disney takes about 60% of the sales in a theater, but it grabs all of it at Disney Plus, 100% of the sales. So that means that a $30 premium access purchase is actually worth $60 at a theater. That shifts the, the importance of premium access and Disney Plus quite a bit for them. You can see how much streaming is tempting everybody. I think if Warner Brothers were to, instead of just releasing all this year's content onto the... Uh, HBO Max app and actually were to sell it individually, they probably would be keeping the program that they have in place. Um, a lot of the Disney execs are coming out and saying like, look, our mixed strategy is working well. You guys are seeing it. 
uh, we we have put up numbers that are shy. They're about half of what like post or uh, pre-pandemic MCU numbers are, but still very impressive for a movie in these times. Now, the other side of this, Disney Plus is very profitable, but it may lead to a major loss in the end. Black Widow is being delayed in China for political reasons, and we won't go over those reasons here. It's complicated, and we don't go over politics. China has uh, grown into Marvel's biggest theatrical audience, so actual theater attendance at an MCU movie is China. And that audience will not wait. With the film being available on Disney+, Plus. Pirates can create a nearly flawless copy. We're talking 4K video, Dolby Sound, and all for free for the pirates. The day the film was out in, uh, in theaters, it was already scattered all over the Chinese pirating sites. Some offering on-platform streaming now. By the time the film hits in Chinese theaters, it will be old news. No doubt Disney will not be happy with the mishandling of their big release over in China. So. You know, you're going to have people that are like, oh, hey, you know, Black Widow's in theaters. There will be some that have waited. Uh, a great example is probably how your parents treat an MCU movie. They'll go and check it out. You know, oh, hey, you know, I hear Frank says this movie's going to be really good or whatever. Or Frank says, don't bother. You don't like the magic ones. That kind of thing, right? Well, uh, that so, but so you'll have those ones watching it over in China. But for the, you know, hardcore fans, they've done seen it. There's no reason for them to go watch it now. It's, you know, it's, it's available at almost flawless level because when it's streamed on Disney Plus, I mean, shoot, we use capture cards and stuff like that to stream uh, our video game play, right? Out, uh, on the Geek Freaks Twitch feed. Come check us out, guys. Uh, and we can go as 4K as we want. I mean, really, there's nothing to stop us. And they even do subtitles. I was reading how there's a, a, a group of fans It'll sit there and quickly make from scratch the Chinese subtitles for these bootlegged copies. So there's a dedicated crew on this. And when you go to straight to streaming, you know, you're open for everything. Now for myself, I, I do want to mention this. Uh, I am happy that the theaters were op are opening uh, slowly and carefully. And that's just how it should be, right? This was my first theater visit in 15 months. I was both excited and a bit nervous. Luckily, I went early in the morning, 9.30 in the morning, guys. They actually opened up at 9.30 now. They used to only do like 11. So 9.30 in the morning, I was there with my popcorn. <laughs> um, yeah, so the, in the theater that I was in, because I went so early, it was only seven people on the opening day of Black Widow. But as soon as I walked in, I was just so happy, right? You had the smell of that over-buttered popcorn. They always put too much butter on it, but man, the smell kills you. Uh, the, butter, the butter does too. I had that, that arcade machines going. You could hear the random old school arcades that they got in there and it's just oh man I, I gotta dump some quarters over there uh and then you see like there were some families that were like all excited to go see the movies again and so it was just really nice to be there and of course the theaters here in california they have you know we had the, rel the recliners and i had my popcorn on one side and uh my big bottle of water on the other and it was just like oh man it's so good to be back and it was real comfy and i was just really happy to be back in theater so when you guys feel comfortable and, you know, hey, that's up to you guys. And I'm, I'm not pushing anybody. I know for me, it took a long time. I'd still like, I know our, our grocery stores and stuff like that are open with the mask free. And I'm still kind of like mask half on kind of guy. <laughs> I'm just a coward, guys. <laughs> um, but, you know, when you feel comfortable, pick a movie, go to the theaters, kind of help support these guys. We're not necessarily big fans of the theater companies, but there are a lot of people that are employed by them. And it is important that we support them. It's much like we say, you know, with supporting our, your local comic book shops, or your local video game stores. Uh, 
it's the people, right? It's not necessarily the president of AMC that, that I give a crap about. I care about the guy that's out there putting that popcorn in the bucket and dumping a pile of butter on it and his paycheck. So get out there. There's a lot of people affected by ticket sales and, and try to help out the economy when you can and the movie industry that we love so much. All right, let's get into some cool reviews. Time to talk about some Black Widow. This movie uh, came out this weekend, right? Black Widow is the first MCU movie in over 15 months. Uh, the the excitement, the hype, the build for this thing, uh, probably bigger than any MCU movie, if I'm being honest, because the thing was done in mid-2020, and it just sat in Mickey Mouse's safe <laughs> for so long, and I was so excited to get a hold of it and watch it. Uh, again, I talked about going to the theaters and just heightening my experience it is really cool we have the uh amazing scarlett johansson coming back and she was joined by uh florence pug and david harper and rachel weiss uh we'll talk more about them later on but i mean the main cast was just unbeatable uh really really solid showing i really liked this movie uh and and the reason i liked it is because it's that spy thriller feel but it, i would say it's like a mission impossible level spy thriller when, uh, like, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, uh, that and, like, the uh, Captain America and the Winter Soldier, which was also a spy thriller, was a different one. It was on a higher stakes. It was, you know, S.H.I.E.L.D. versus HYDRA, United States versus its people, or something like that. This felt much smaller and in a very good way, where it was just a family or a person. By the way, spoiler free. Spoiler free all day, okay? It was Scarlett Johansson, Black Widow, Natasha uh romanoff by herself surviving right and it just it felt good having a smaller movie like that in a way and, and, and it's one of the few ways i like ant-man really because it's one of the smaller movies in the mcu uh, it was fun it was action-packed the pacing was really good there were moments where it was like heart pounding you know prison scenes and then all of a sudden you just have like boom nice cooling moments where i was just enjoying everybody's dialogue it was really fantastic and then boom right there here comes here comes choppers here comes guns and here comes everything else you'd expect in, in, a, in a spy thriller really really well done so it was great i'm going to briefly go over the events um that set up this this story you know basically like our first act i'm not going to go over the ending of course um but yeah so this takes place right after civil war so this is when natasha black widow is fully on the run uh, we know that she came from the Red Room, is what they call it, a place where they train super spies like her over in Russia in the, in the MCU and in the Marvel Universe. She uh, defected a while ago um, but, and is working with S.H.I.E.L.D. now, but, but she still has ties there, right? There are people who remember her there. Remember her there. Uh, she has, I won't, you know, this isn't a spoiler to me, but on our Discord, somebody says that's a spoiler. So we will hold off on too many close specifics, but... One of her former spies needs her help and seeks her out. And because she's on the outside, she's definitely, you know, further away from the Red Room and stuff like that. And they go to take on the system, essentially. And so you have this journey where uh, you have this journey where Black Widow is joined by some old friends and their dynamic together is tested because you have like what was real, what was fake. For some people, everything was real. For some some people it was just the job but then you you know but was it really the job and so while you had this heart pounding action the entire time 
you definitely had heart behind everything. Uh, and you have the Marvel created some characters that I am fully invested in. If we don't see, you know, uh, Yel uh, Yelena come back, Marvel has messed up in a big way. And, and so I'm really excited to see her come back. And even Alexi, who played, you know, Red Guardian, that's, uh, it's, uh, you know, the sheriff, about to say it that way, the sheriff from <laughs> Stranger Things, that's how you guys are going to remember. Uh, he was amazing in this film, just, just had me cracking up the whole time. He's the comedic relief. Um, was really, really good. They did a great job with the characters um, in that, you know, if you're, if you're looking for a, a place where there was woman empowerment, I, I can't imagine uh, there being a problem with this movie in that sense. I think they did a really great job with that. And just, I mean, it was just so badass, right? Um, really great story. And, and, and I'm trying my hardest to avoid spoilers. So we're just going to move on away from the spoilers themselves. All right. So let's go ahead. Let's, let's start analyzing some stuff here. Okay. Character development. First of all, uh, we had, Scarlett Johansson's uh, Natasha Romanoff, she just she nails it every time. Um, but going into this movie, it is, it's right after the Avengers kind of breaking up. And so she's kind of got this thing where she's lost when she's going into this movie. She's not sure um, about her new home because she left everything she knew to join S.H.I.E.L.D. And then S.H.I.E.L.D. You know, essentially tied so much into the Avengers. What does she do if they're broken up? She's on the run from from the law, so she can't even join Shield. Um, and you know, we're, we find out that you know we we know from future movies basically Scott Lang's captured, and a lot of you know Cap's team's getting captured. And so you know, Romanoff's out there just trying her best to just stay stay on her uh, on her feet. Um, so that's what you're looking at. You're looking at a Black Widow that is truly by herself at the intro of this film, and they do such a great job of just like showing how deeper character is and how essential she really is for the avengers like uh, you know they they do joke about it and it's a joke that's kind of going on in the in the mcu more and more that there are the the big guys you know thor and, and stuff like that then there are your smaller heroes like hawkeye and and black widow that are just you know the street fighters and they did a really great job of showing her value and how she's like yeah but you need me because the global network needs me and it's just really really well done some of the additional characters Florence plays uh, uh Florence uh, Pug plays Yelena and we I did not know we needed this character in the MCU until after this movie and now we absolutely need her in the MCU. She's a great mix of kind of this like Star Lord but spunkier. I think actually her personality personality should have been what Captain Marvel was in my opinion. And I know I know I'm getting hate on that right away because there are people who think that Brie Larson killed it as Captain America. And look, she's great Captain America. She's she, she just fine anyways. But I think Florence could have really killed it. And so if you wanted a better version of Captain America or Captain Marvel, I keep saying America, Marvel, uh, maybe maybe watch Elena and, and think of her as that position. Rachel Weiss. Now, I, I mentioned this during our sloop because I already reviewed this for sloop. Uh, those on the Patreon are well aware. Um, Rachel Weiss, man, growing up and watching her and mummy. Woo-wee. She was cutie, right? And seeing her back. And just, I mean, she is so good in this role. She really deserves something for a supporting actress because there, there's a stereotype that like the Americans have in the eighties, right? When this is kind of like, this is, this feels much like an eighties movie. It actually doesn't take place much in the eighties, but it feels like those eighties movies where it's like cold war, yada, yada, yada. And so all those stereotypes are like, oh, they're cold. And you know, the stereotypes that we had, that, oh, they're cold and they're calculating over there. And so she does a great job of like playing that, but also 
you could tell like is that a facade that she's putting up is she that good of a spy and the entire time you're going back and forth and you're like which way is she lining is she is she you know the mastermind manipulator or is she actually rising above the situation and and she killed it her acting killed it really 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 good job she didn't necessarily like spark a brand new character like yelena did but uh, she plays Melina, right? Everybody knows Melina. She's kind of the uh, older version of Black Widow. She she was from the Red Room from before, if you guys know the comic books. Um, but man, Rachel just nailed it in the acting wise. Now, what's funny is David Harper's character, Alexi, or, or Red Guardian, did such a good job playing off of her because he does not hide his emotions. He uh, he tries and they fail horribly. He is think of a of a of a Russian heavy Russian accented version of the sheriff from stranger things during his lowest moments when he's like a drunk <laughs> and just cracking wise the whole time and oh man he would tell stories about his heydays and it's just hilarious i'm excited for these characters to play in the future of the mcu and we'll talk about spoilers later on uh, in another episode but that's happening i mean like there's no reason why these guys can't be in here just because we had you know infinity war and, and endgame kind of mess some of the plans up with these characters doesn't mean they're not all gone, so we could really use them, you know? And, man, what, what a wonderful job they did there. The settings were wonderful. They did a really good job. There was, there was one particular setting that's in the snow. It's a prison scene that's in the snow. Um, the way that I was, you know, I was, I was worried about the costumes. They were white matching with the snow too much, which tactically is great, but film-wise doesn't work well. No, they did a great job with, like, the stone walls and, and then that, that snow and the, the suits. It just all worked out so well. Uh, that's what you could expect from an MCU movie, right? You always know that things are going to be that way. You always know that everything's going to be on point settings-wise and costume-wise. They just did it again. They just did it again, to be honest with you. Uh, I, I would say that the story is one of the more realistic movies in the MCU. Uh, it, it was suspenseful and stressful the whole time, but, but I would say it's generally grounded. Yes, is everything hided? Of course. But in the same way that, like, you can kind of imagine a Mission Impossible happening, right? You could kind of imagine that, that we have a Tom Cruise out there jumping from building to building and doing his, you know, shenanigans against Henry Cavill. You could kind of imagine that because the idea is that they're, they're incognito and sleuthing around. I can see that with this, too. And, and it just felt cool to have something that's like, oh, well, yeah, we would know if Thor smashed a hammer into some Arizona desert. Like, we would know that happened. This felt like something that could be in our world, and I just that kind of elevates it for me. So I was really happy to see that as well. Uh, so, anyways, I just want to say you guys really should go check this out, of course. And I've already made my plea for going to theaters, but even if you don't, spend the thirty bucks, sit with your family, enjoy the return of MCU, uh, return of Marvel, and finally Black Widow gets the movie she deserves, and she deserves this one. I will say that. Um, I do have one major flaw. Uh, I won't go into specifics because that's the spoiler stuff there, but Taskmaster is the like, kind of like the, the primary villain that's advertised a lot, right? Um, they totally didn't do Taskmaster justice. I mean, Taskmaster's the kind of villain. He, he beats the Avengers. Like, he fights the Avengers. He is a universal Marvel badass. And this movie basically turned him into like a Terminator presence, like the ever ever pursuing constant threat and and didn't really focus on some of the best aspects of taskmaster so 
that is my only ding on this film. Which shows, I mean, that's pretty decent, right? That's not too bad. So I'm giving this a solid A. Not an A+. That plus belongs to Taskmaster from the comic books. Now, Taskmaster does have a comic book series that's, that's running right now. The 2021 series. Um, it was actually delayed because of the movie. So it, it's fresh. I think it's a six-issue run. or it, it's, it's a limited run. But uh, totally go and check it out. And, and the whole thing is that, if I remember correctly, I, I've been reading them off and on. <laughs> but um, he gets framed for killing a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. And then he's on the run to figure out who's trying to kill him. So he has like all, there's a big bounty that's on him. So all the world spies are out to hunt him down while he's trying to prove his, prove his innocence. Uh, it's really good. It's Taskmaster at his best. And he's such a great character. I really hope that they still utilize him. Uh, they can, but you know, it's just one of those things where they've they done him wrong in this one. So a solid A. Go out and watch it, guys. All right, we are going to wrap up this episode of Geek Freaks News with a review for Dark Deity. This is a video game. Uh, you can pick it up on Steam. We're actually going to give away a free copy of this game. I know. We're awesome like that. Uh, we're going to give it away for next month. It'll be August 7th when we're giving this game away. Uh, so if you guys want a copy, uh, we'll do the giveaway uh, details towards the end. So Dark Deity, really, really a solid game. Um, I had my complaints, right? If you guys watched me stream it, I had my complaints. Uh, they were complaints that were not the game's fault. They were my fault. Because uh, I was like, look, I don't want to know the story. I just want to fight. <laughs> I just want to get into the action. But once I got into that action, uh, it really thrived. And there were some highlights that I really want to point out. So let me explain the gameplay first. This is a uh, strategic battlefield type game. So uh, I would put it up close to like Fire Emblem, Advanced Wars. You guys know how much I love that Advanced Wars. A war groove felt much like war groove, um, where you're progressing your heroes throughout the battlefield to uh, complete an objective, generally take out all their villains um, through a battlefield. Each character has strengths and weaknesses. This one does bows. This one's a, a mage that does a lot of magic, which was my favorite. Actually, that guy was badass. Um, these two are clerics and they heal. And, you know, you, you, you end up getting this band of hero with everybody having their strengths and weaknesses. Story wise, just generally, you're part of a magic or a, a, an academy, uh, and as you guys are graduating, you're called off into war. And you're, what's cool is, so you end up with like a core group of young students that are pretty good at their skills. You're added by some of, you have some additional students that join you that like graduated a few years ago or something like that, to where you actually have like varying levels of skills very early in the game. And that feels good because then it kind of is like, well, these are my characters that I'm like falling in love with because I know the story for them from early on. And these characters are showing me the potential of my characters. So it felt really good. The biggest highlight for this game is how fast I fell in love with the characters. I was attached to them to a degree where I was like doing strategically bad things to save their lives. I would take one of my clerics and have him go out far to go grab the mage and drop some extra heals on him and keep him alive so that he, so they both can make their escape really. And, and it was just generally doing things that were like, well, I got to keep my, I got to put my tank first one. Really? I didn't need to necessarily put my tank first because I could have just blasted him with the arrows and would have been, been great. But the bow and arrows, that was far stronger than I thought. It actually shows breaks down like your damage done. It's the bow and arrows that do all the damage, but I, I just liked the mage so much. So I was like, yeah, that's my guy. Uh, but it was really cool. Uh, one of the, the systems that I don't think works too well is they have a bonding system. Now, if you're a story-driven person, 
Now, I I'm not much of a story-driven person for this type of game. I just like the maps and the design. Oh, man. the uh, It's all this pixel art. All the sprites were really well done. Really great little bouncing around sprites. Takes me back to some classic gaming. But the, the system that I didn't care for was the bonding system. So, uh, between matches, or between, you know, story beats or whatever, you're back at camp and you're hanging out. And then if you're a story-driven person, you can sit there and have dialogue between two characters. You pick the characters you want to have the dialogue with. Uh, say, we'll just use pod our podcast team's name. Uh, oh, John and Squeaks Talks. Um, I'm watching this dialogue happen and I'm watching them bond over something and then that'll increase their effectiveness on the battlefield. That is really cool. I, I, I will admit that is really cool. If you're a story person or a character person, for this particular genre, I personally am not. But for, if you're a person who likes this world, this, this genre, or this, uh, that story kind of thing, I mean, this is for you. I, I know there are other games that I would want that. There are other games where I'd want my characters to sit there and talk and, and better themselves, and I would want to be like a fly on the wall listening into their conversation. Uh, so it is definitely a good system for others. Um, the, the voiceover work, it, it's, it's early on, you're like, oh, I'm not hearing lines very often you know, from the guys, but you'll notice that as you play the game and unlock more players, Oh, there's a whole breadth of voiceover in this game. There's a whole line of voiceover in this game. By the way, the music's outstanding. And you can actually get the album. I think it's like six bucks on Steam. It's, it's worth a grab if you're liking that classic fantasy retro game kind of music. Kind of like an advanced version of Zelda music or Fire Emblem, actually. You can go Fire Emblem music. Um, it, was, it was done quite well. So uh, props to the, to the music people on this. Uh, solid job there. but. All in all, uh, it, it's really good. I would say the first 30 minutes, if you're a story person, you're going to thrive. And if you're like me, you're just kind of clicking the button to get to the, to the action. But after the first 30 minutes, this thing heats up hot. And it's a really, really fun game. So that's Dark Deity on Steam. We want to give them a thanks. They gave us a, a, a review copy to give, a, give it a shot. And we streamed it out so you guys could check out the stream over on the Geek Freaks uh, Twitch channel. You guys could watch me stream this and get some uh, footage of that. Or you can just win a copy yourself and play the game for free. So we're giving out a copy of this. We're going to go August 7th. What we'll do is we'll pick one of the uh, random people from our reviews. You guys know those reviews. Uh, we're going to, uh, uh, for, on, on, uh, I'm sorry, on Apple Podcasts. If you guys are using the Apple Podcast list, we have some reviewers there. If you guys want to add your review now, go ahead. And if, you if you've already reviewed, you're already in the contest. We'll just pick one of those at random. We'll set, shoot them a message and they'll win the game. We'll give them a, a, the Steam key. So you guys can play the game on Steam. Um, I'm not going to grade this one because it's a much longer game than I anticipated and I didn't end up finishing it. I hate to grade a game I didn't finish it. But I will say the combat had me hooked. And I was, <laughs> if you guys watch this team, I was voicing characters and everything like that. And I just, I got so attached to these characters. And it was really a blast, you know, hanging out with this crew that I had created. It was a lot of fun. Um, and, and man, if you're not, if you're new to this genre, I'm telling you, there's, this is a really great genre. This is the, probably the game for you. It's a good, good transition game into the genre too. So anyways, we're going to give out a free copy August 7th. If you want in on the giveaway, just drop us a review on Apple podcast. If you already have congrats, you're in the giveaway. You're good to go. All right, team. That is, uh, that is it for us today. Uh, we're going to wrap it up on Geek Freaks News. Thank you so much for joining me. 
Uh, this Wednesday, we actually don't have a show coming out. Surprising, right? We have everything booked up. Uh, but Friday, we have a new episode of Trek Freaks. And then the following week is one of those weeks where we have the three shows coming up. So it'll be really great. Um, if you're a patron, just a shout out to you guys, patrons, real quick. Uh, early access for the next Trek Freaks and Pushing Buttons is already out. You guys should already just listen to the next two episodes of those. They're on Trek Freaks. Uh, or they're, I'm sorry, they're on our Patreon. Uh, again, for a buck a month. You can't pass that up. That's too good. Um, and I want to remind you guys, if you got the mug for being a patron, you can replace or you can request a shirt instead because we have been hearing that those mugs like to chip when you go hardcore on the dishwasher. So we want to make sure you guys are covered and get those executive producer shirts here at Geek Freaks. That'd be really great. Uh, and then over there, we're, we're doing the uh, socks giveaway. That's going to be next month's giveaway for Patreon. So if you guys want to join in on that, you got to be a, a $5 member. That's the $5 tier. Uh, buy this month. Okay, and then we'll give it away on the 1st of August. Anyways, you guys take it easy. Thank you so much for joining me, and I hope you guys have a wonderful, wonderful week. Thanks again. Thank you for joining us on the Geek Freaks Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Geek Freaks Pod. We're also on Facebook, Instagram. You can email us. We have our Patreon and a store. All those links are in the description. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you guys next week.